My name's John Redman from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. And on today's program, we're going to be thinking about the importance of God's timing. You know, so many times in life, we get to praying about something, and we want the solution right now. We want the answer right now. We want the need to be met right now. And there are so many times in the Christian life where God tells us to wait that the time is not quite right. And if we can ever learn to accept God's time schedule and adjust our lives to His schedule, we're always better off. And so I just pray that uh, this sermon that we're going to be listening to today will help you to think more clearly about God's timing and that His timing is always just right. Let me ask you a question. How many of you like to travel? Would you raise your hand? How many travelers do we have? Well, that's the majority. Some like traveling, some don't. I know my parents are big travelers. I think their motto in life is, have bags, will travel. They like to, if there's a trip, they want to take it. Joel and I are watching them spend our inheritance right before our very eyes. They're going all over the place. Me personally, I'm not, honestly, I'm not crazy about traveling. I'm more of a homebody. Some would call me boring or a stick in the mud, but Traveling, I like traveling, but there are things about it that I don't like. And the main thing is, if you're going, especially like on a faraway trip, I have a hard time sleeping if I get out of my normal routine, my normal rhythm. And like Israel, which would be my favorite place in the world to go, is eight hours ahead of us. And so like when we take those trips over there and, you know, it's midnight Israeli time and it's time to go to bed. So I get in bed and cover up. Well, on my body clock, it's only four o'clock in the afternoon. And I can't go to bed at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And so for the first two or three nights that I'm in Israel, many times I'll just lay in the bed the whole night and never go to sleep. And then the next morning, I'm at breakfast at 8 a.m. Everybody else is so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and so happy. Oh, John, how are you doing this morning? I'm thinking this morning, it's midnight on my body clock. I'm ready to go to sleep. And now it takes me about three days to adjust to the new time zone. And once I adjust, once my body acclimates to the Israeli time zone, I'm fine, and I enjoy the trip from that point on. Now, in a similar way, everybody say, in a similar way. Say it with some, in a similar way. In a similar way. In a similar way, one of the biggest challenges for us as Christians is to, uh, is to learn to adjust to God's time zone. God is on a different timetable than we are. You know, in our minds, many times, if we're honest, we think God's time, His timing just seems off. Maybe today you're here and you've been praying about something and nothing seems to be happening and you're praying for a door to open, a new job opportunity. Maybe you're in a relationship and you're kind of ready to go to the next level in that relationship and you just don't have peace in your heart that the time is right and you're thinking, why isn't anything happening quicker? I feel like I'm stuck. God's timing is just different from mine and and many times it is. And so what we have to do in the Christian life 
It's the same thing my body has to do in Israel or in any of these other countries where the time is so different. We have to spend a little time adjusting to God's time zone so that we can be in the flow with God. Now, if you'll open your Bibles today to the Gospel of John, chapter number 7, we read a very interesting story. At least it's interesting to me. Jesus was in Galilee with, some, with his disciples and even with his brothers. Some of his family members were there on this particular occasion. And they said to Jesus, they said, Jesus, it's time for us to go to Jerusalem because they're having the Feast of Tabernacles there. And this was one of the main Jewish feasts. And, and so it was customary if you were a Jewish person living in Israel to travel to Jerusalem. You would spend several days there celebrating this feast. And so they said, Jesus, let's go to Jerusalem. And Jesus basically said to his brothers, no, I'm, I'm not going to go right now. I'm going to go to the feast but I'm not going to go right now because the time is not right. In other words, Jesus, in his spirit, felt some kind of restraint. There was something that he felt from God the Father that was saying to Jesus, I want you to go to Jerusalem, but I don't want you to go now. If you go now, you'll be out of my will, you'll be out of my timing, and if that happens, bad things could certainly happen. Now, we read this, John chapter 7, beginning in verse number 1. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you were doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. You see, Jesus' brothers they, they totally misunderstood Jesus. First of all, they did not believe at this time that he was the Messiah. And when they had seen him perform some of these miracles, they said to Jesus, hey, if you want to make a name for yourself, if you want to be known, go to Jerusalem. That's where all the people are. And if you'll do those things there, then you'll impress people. They failed to understand that Jesus was not trying to make a name for himself. He was not trying to be famous. He was not trying to make himself known. He was waiting on his time to die on the cross. They were acting with pride. Jesus had humility. Again in verse 4, if you do these things, they said, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. That's one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. Then Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come. Say that with me. My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify, because I testify of it that it, its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. When he had said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. And so again, as I said a moment ago, Jesus was going to the feast, but in his heart and in his mind, he knew that it was not the time to go. And so he resisted the temptation. He resisted the pressure. You know, sometimes in life, even those who are closest to us can push us and pressure us maybe to do something, and we just don't feel that the time is right. We just don't have peace in our hearts about doing that, and that's what was happening to Jesus, but he resisted that temptation, and he did not go. Now, I want us to think just for a moment about why we sometimes get ahead of God. I'm sure we've all done that in our lives, you know, 
we just felt like that God wasn't doing things quite quickly enough, and so we got out ahead of God, and when we should have waited, we rushed ahead. And why do, why do we do that? Let me give you some reasons. You might want to just jot these down if you're a note taker. First of all, impatience. We're just not patient. In other words, we've prayed about something. We're praying for this door to open. We're praying for something to happen in some area of our lives. Nothing seems to be happening. And we just think to ourselves, well, now, if God were going to do anything, God would have already done it. And so God expects me to be responsible. I can't just sit on my heels or sit in a chair. I've got to, you know, take responsibility for my own life. And so sometimes out of impatience, we can just get ahead of God and make a bad mistake. I think about Abraham and Sarah. God had promised them that they would have a child. And they believed that promise. And yet year after year after year after year, now many years have gone by, and they don't have any kids. And so Sarah said to Abraham, hey, listen, we've been waiting a long time for this child, and nothing has happened. Why don't you go in to my maidservant, Hagar, have relations with her. She will bear a child, and then we can raise that son together. Maybe that's what God had in mind, because after all, God made a promise, but after all these years and nothing has happened, maybe God expects us to be more responsible. And so that's what they did, and, and Ishmael was born, and it just was very, it became a very complicated family dynamic because they got ahead of God, and their impatience caused them to make a decision that was not the wisest decision. Another reason and sometimes that we get ahead of God is because of unbelief. That's what the brothers of Jesus, again in verse 5, it said, even his brothers did not believe in him. They did not believe in him until after the resurrection. And so it was their lack of faith in Jesus that caused them to just go ahead impulsively and do what they wanted to do and what they would naturally do, which was to go to Jerusalem. And I think sometimes that gets us too. Sometimes we just think, well, you know, there's no way that God could be interested about every small detail of my life. God just expects me to do some things for myself. And, and, and so I'm going to just step out there and do this. And, but if you analyze many times why we do that, we do it because we don't believe that God's going to come through for us, that God's going to meet that need, or that God is going to take care of that situation. And then sometimes we get ahead of God, not only because of impatience and unbelief, but sometimes it's just because of pride. It's just because it's what we want. And that's what Jesus' brothers were saying to him. Hey, go show yourself openly there in Jerusalem. And they, they were thinking, hey, if you get famous then we'll be famous through you. You're our brother. And so pride was motivating them to get ahead of what God's timing was in their life. And so those are just some of the reasons why we sometimes get ahead of God. Now, let's think a little bit more about that. What do we miss when we get ahead of God? In other words, God has a time zone. God has a schedule. One of the greatest quotes I ever heard in my life about, time, about God's timing was given by Adrian Rogers. And he said, with God, timing is more important than time. You see, we're concerned with time. Like, how long do I have to wait? Here we are in May of 2018, and I've been praying about this situation, and I've been hoping God was going to open a door or do something. And We live in the realm of time. We look at the clock, it says 11.35, and so we're in that mode. But God is not thinking, you know, 11.35. God's not thinking May 2018. God is thinking, listen, I'm not as concerned with what time it is 
as I am with timing, getting it right. I want to get you prepared. For example, if you're between jobs and you're interviewing or maybe you're frustrated with your job and you're wanting a new job and you've been interviewing and, and you're, you, just, you just don't know what to do and doors don't seem opening and you're saying, God, with each passing week, more time is, is going by. But God says in response to that, don't worry about how much time is going by. Don't worry about the date on the calendar. Focus instead on my timing. Because when my timing is right, I'm going to open that door and all the pieces will fall into place. And as Chuck Swindoll says, when it's in God's timing, it will just flow and you won't have to have the inner struggle. It doesn't mean there won't be challenges or difficulties, but it just means in your heart you'll have peace. And so God is much more interested in timing than he is with time. And so when we're in God's timing, we experience certain things that we'll miss if we get out of God's timing. Now, what might we miss if we get ahead of God? And before I get into this, I know today there's some here that you're thinking about a job situation, a relationship. You're thinking about, probably some are, are in your career, and you're thinking about making a change. Or maybe you're thinking about retiring. Maybe you're thinking about moving. Maybe you're thinking about buying a second home. Or maybe you're thinking about moving from Pasadena, this area altogether, and moving to another place. And so you're praying, and, and you just it's just not quite working out for you. Well, what are you going to miss if you get ahead of God? Let me give you a couple of things to jot down. First of all, you're going to miss some very special blessings. The Scripture says in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 4 that God works on behalf of those who wait for Him. That, that is, as we're waiting on God, we're just waiting on God to give us that, that sign, that, that impulse, that, that just down in our heart where we'll know it's of Him. When we, while we wait on God, He is working behind the scenes. He's doing things we can't see. You say, John, I've been praying about this, and God's not even saying anything to me right now. My, it's like the heavens have become brass, and my prayers are just bouncing back down. Well, it may feel that way, but just because you can't see God doing anything or you're not hearing from God doesn't mean that God is uh, not interested in your case. It doesn't mean that God is still. He's working behind the scenes, getting everything lined up so that at the right time, you can experience the special blessings that He has for you. But if you get ahead of God, you're going to miss out on some of those blessings. I think about Lazarus in the Bible, for example. Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus, and he had two sisters named Mary and Martha. And the Bible says that on one occasion, Lazarus got very sick. And so Mary and Martha sent some of their friends to find Jesus. Jesus was in another town and said, Lord, please come heal Lazarus of this illness. We know that you can do it. The Bible says when Jesus heard about Lazarus' illness, that he stayed in the place where he was for two more days. Isn't it interesting? You would think that when Jesus heard about that, he would have put everything down, gone to Bethany and healed Lazarus, or maybe just spoken from where he was, Lazarus, be healed. No, he stayed where he was for two more days. And by the time he got to Bethany where Lazarus lived, Lazarus had already died. Things had gone from bad to worse. And you read that story and you think, that just doesn't seem... In, in, in keeping with Jesus, why would he let his friend die when he could have healed him of that illness? Well, it, you know the story. After Jesus got there, he ended up raising Lazarus from the dead. And so had he gone immediately, he could have performed a miracle. He could have healed his body. But since he waited, he performed a greater miracle. He raised him from death to life. What I'm saying to you today is, if you're praying 
and seeking God on something and nothing seems to be happening and the months just keep rolling by on your calendar. You say, man, I just think God's lost interest in my case. What I'm saying to you is the longer you wait, the better the result is going to be. Because God is doing something very special. If he had something common or something ordinary for you, he would have already given it to you. He has something extraordinary. He has something uncommon. He has something very special. But sometimes to receive something extra special, we have to be willing to wait a little bit longer. I was trying to think, even yesterday, what's a good illustration of sometimes how we have to wait for, you know, a little bit longer for something to be special or a customized blessing to come down from heaven uh, for us. And this is kind of a silly illustration, but I can remember when we were young, my brother Joel and I were kids. I was probably about eight and he was about six in that time, in that age period somewhere. When, when our family would travel, we always wanted to, you know, eat as healthy food as we could while we're out there on the road. And so we always stopped at McDonald's. That was always a place where we went. That was our favorite restaurant. And when we would go into the McDonald's, the four of us, you know, my parents would order whatever they wanted. I would order what I wanted. And my brother, who at that time was, you know, if this is the counter, he could barely even look up over the counter. I mean, he, but he would make his order from, from that. And the person would, back from behind the counter would look down at him and say, uh, young man, what do you want? And my brother used to drive me crazy on family vacations when he would make his order. He would always say, I want a hamburger with no ketchup. Now, how many of you know that if you want a hamburger with no ketchup, you're going to have to wait a little while on that because McDonald's doesn't have it. And they would always say, if you want a hamburger with no ketchup, we're going to have to make you a special order. So if you'll please go stand over there in the corner. And I always thought, my brother spent half our childhood standing in the corner at McDonald's. And me and my mom and dad are over here. We had blessed the food and we're just eating. And we would get about halfway through our meal. And Joel would have his hamburger with no ketchup. And he would come over there. He would sit down, happiest kid in the whole restaurant. He would open it up. Why was he so happy? Because he was the only person in McDonald's that had a warm hamburger. <laughs> Ours had been sitting out all day long under those lamps, but his was special made. And I remember after seeing that time, I thought, you know, maybe Joel doesn't even care about the ketchup. Maybe he just wants a warm hamburger. Maybe that's what it is. But the point is, he had to stand in the corner. But while he stood in the corner... The people at McDonald's were making him something very special. That's what I'm saying to you today. You may feel like God has put you in the corner. And all your other friends are out there in the restaurant and they're eating their hamburgers and they're eating their french fries and they're having their Big Macs and their milkshakes and they're just having a great meal and here you stand over in the corner. Friend, let me tell you something. If you're in the corner waiting on God, what you have coming is better than what they've already received. God is customizing something. God is personalizing something. God is giving extra attention to your case, but it requires that you wait a little longer than the rest of us who just took the colder hamburgers so we could get them more quickly. I remember another, this is another similar type illustration of, of a time in my life when God did a very special thing for me about 15 or so years ago. And by, you know, by 2000, probably the early 2000s, a lot of people in the world had big screen TVs. Well, I didn't have one. I still had a, a pretty small TV and and uh, my den, my house is a small, modest house, but my den area has a real tall ceiling. And, and so I had a, a, a 
a small TV, and, and I know when people came in, they said, oh, John, what's that over there in the corner? Oh, it's a television. I mean, it was so small, you could hardly even enjoy a game or anything, on, on, you know, for the TV being so small. And I said, I got, this is embarrassing. I got to get me a better television than this. And so I went to the store, and I, read, I started studying, what kind of TV am I going to get? And I finally decided that I wanted a Hitachi big screen TV. And so I ha- had the money saved, you know, to buy the thing, and, and so it was just a logical thing to do, except for one problem. I didn't have peace in my heart about buying that television. Now, there was no reason I thought that I didn't have peace. After all, there's no way God wants anybody to watch Monday Night Football on the TV like that. I mean, God wants you to enjoy the game, right? He, he gives us richly all things to enjoy, and not that TV didn't, can't, that wasn't enjoyable. But I had the money saved up, and it just seemed like that I would have felt more peace about buying it. But every time I went to a store, every time I thought seriously, I just heard this voice in my spirit, wait, not now. Kind of like Jesus said, my time has not yet come. (laughs) I mean, I know what he was doing was more important than the TV for me, but that's how I felt. My time has not yet come. I never will forget one Sunday night before the evening service. This is back in 2003. There was a couple that had joined our church named Billy and Doris Hendricks. They had not been members here maybe but about a year and a half when this experience happened, maybe two years. And Billy was a retired pastor. And since I was a young minister, I mean, 15 years ago, let's see, I was 20 years old 15 years ago. And so I was just making sure you're awake. But anyway. He had kind of taken me under his wings, and we had become friends. I never will forget what happened one, one Sunday night. I'm coming out of the restroom on that hallway, getting ready to go into the Grace Center and preach the evening service. And Billy said to me, he said, John, do you have just a minute? I something I want to talk to you about. I said, yes, I do. I said, service doesn't start till 6.30, and my part's not till about 6.50. So I'm here to talk to you, because I really I respected and admired him. He said, well, he said, this isn't a strange thing that I'm about to tell you. He said, but my wife Doris and I were home the other night, and we were talking, and we were talking about you. And he said, kind of out of the blue, one of us said to the other, why don't we do something for John? And, uh, and the other one said, what do you think we ought to do? And they talked back and forth, and they said, well, you know, maybe we ought to get John a new television, a big screen TV. And he's telling me this story. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is a great idea. Keep going. And I'm, I'm, I'm liking where I'm thinking this thing's going. And he reached in his wallet, and he starts just peeling off $100 bills. And he gave me, it was either $1,300 or $1,400 bills. And he said, we just, he said, John, this is the strangest thing, but it just came to our minds. We're just giving you this, and we want you to go out and buy the Whatever size TV you want for your... I'll tell you what, he gave me that money. I, went, I preached the greatest sermon I ever preached in my life that night. I was so happy. But, and I'll tell you something else. For the next several Sunday nights before church, I dropped by that restroom just to see if anybody else was handing it out. But it, that well dried up. And they weren't. But you know, when I, I still have that television today. It's clear as a bell. I absolutely love it. I look at that TV. I remember Billy. I remember Doris. They're both in heaven now. I preach both of their funerals. They're like family to me. But I don't only think of them, I think of God. And I think of how God told me to wait. And when I waited, 
God gave me a special. It wasn't that I didn't have the money. I had the money. It was that God was saying, John, I'm going to do, forget the money. I'm going to teach you a lesson that is far more important than thirteen dollars or $1,400. I'm going to teach you that if you will wait on me, watch that little small TV a little bit longer, that one of these days I'm going to do something very special. So when we wait on God, we get his special blessings. Well, we're going to have to stop right there today because we're running out of time, but It is true that as we wait on God and just refuse to get ahead of His schedule, that He always gives us special blessings in our lives. And you just heard me share about one right there with that television I received so many years ago. I don't know what you may be going through today, what you might be facing in your life, but I would encourage you, don't get ahead of God. Wait on God's timing. Wait until God gives you a green light before you move forward in your life. One thing that you could do that might help you in this area is to go to our website at peacebybelieving.org. That's peacebybelieving.org. And on our website, we have lots of archived sermons. And if you'll scroll down towards the bottom, you'll find a tab that says Spiritual Growth. And if you'll click on that tab, it's going to take you to a lot of booklets that we have prepared through the years. And you can read those booklets right there on your computer or on your phone. But one of those booklets is called When God Says Wait. And this is a booklet that I wrote some years ago. And maybe it'll be a blessing to you. I sure hope it will about waiting on God's timing. Also today, if you're listening to this and you're not saved, I want to say to you, you don't have to wait to get saved. You shouldn't wait to get saved. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you've never received Christ, I would encourage you to ask him in your life today to forgive you. He'll do that. And today can become the day of your salvation. God bless and thanks for being with us today.